Welcome to the podcast of the Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jim Cole, and I'm proud to be the 96th president of Las Vegas Rotary. Las Vegas Rotary's main focus is on youth, specifically youth literacy and life skill development. If you're in town, we invite you to join us at the Lowry's Prime Rib at noon on Thursdays. You can also find more information about our meetings on lasvegasrotary.com. If you're unable to join us, we live stream our meetings on Facebook at noon Pacific Time Thursdays. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you, President Jim. Well, you have a bio of our guest speaker in front of you. There are a couple of things uh, I would like to point out, however, that are very significant to me as well. Uh, Colonel Craddock is a 1985 graduate of the Air Force Academy. Go Falcons! Uh, he flew the F-15 and is flying the F-22 Raptor, which makes me extremely jealous. He did graduate from the United States Air Force Weapons School at Nellis Air Force Base. He's been married to his wife Tammy for 22 years, 22 years, and she would have been here, but his son broke his arm, I believe, this morning, went to the hospital, so Tammy is taking care of their son. Colonel Craddock is in command of one of the most complex organizations in the Air Force with responsibilities across Nellis Air Force Base as well as Creech Air Force Base. I'm not sure what he's going to talk about. He, didn't, he was instructed not to bring a wiring diagram, but he's going to share some perspectives on what the 99th Air Base Wing does at Nellis. Please welcome Colonel Caveman Craddock. All right, good afternoon. Um, we'll start by telling you a quick story. So uh, as just mentioned, uh, my, my son uh, is not going to give me the Father of the Year award uh, because of actions that happened today. I will tell you, I was not the one that broke his arm. Um, but I did have the opportunity this morning to sit and talk to him, and it kind of you know, uh, helped me, helps me start my day. It gets me balanced every morning when I can spend time with my son and my wife. And so this morning we're doing some math homework. And the good thing is that he's eight. He's in third grade. I'm still capable of keeping up with the math homework at this point, and I figure I've got one, maybe two years left of that happening, so I'm trying to take advantage of it and stay on top of it. Uh, but he's, talk, he's doing some math homework this morning. He's working on statistics, and he's working on fractions. And so he's a complainer to me because he said, I don't understand why I have to learn all this math stuff because it's probably not all that important. And I'm trying to explain to him the importance of math and how we use it all the time. And I'm telling him I use it every day. Every day I use math. And he goes, well, give me an example of you know, some, some math thing that's important. So I thought about it for a second. And I said, well, do you know that five out of four Americans don't know how to do statistics? <laughs> Thank you for laughing. He didn't. <laughs> he looked at me like I'm kind of dumb, which he does a lot. And uh, I said, okay. So I thought about it for a second. I go, well, how about this? 100% of people whose parents don't have children, they also don't have children. That's a fact. That is a fact. He wasn't impressed. He got up and walked off and went and found my wife because she's much more intelligent than I am. Uh, but the, truth, the true fact of the matter is what I was thinking about this morning is that 100% uh, of y'all are awesome. So thank you so much for what you do, from going overseas on medical missions to clean water to taking care of uh, teaching, leading, mentoring the youth uh, here in the Valley. Thank you so very much uh, for what you do because it's incredibly important. Uh, and not only that, but taking care of my airmen. So the Wetzel Awards, I've not yet attended uh, one of those yet, but look forward to it. Uh, but taking care of my airmen is awesome. 
And it's what I get to do that makes me so incredibly happy, makes me smile going to work each and every day is taking care of the women and men of your United States Air Force uh, who are out at Nellis, who are out at Creech or at the Nevada Test and Training Range getting the mission done every day. So, so it'll be fantastic. Thank you for your support. I also want to say a couple of quick thanks. Palo Verde, you guys rocked it. Nice work. To Dave Thorson, thank you for the uh, invocation, wherever you are. There you are. Thank you for the invocation, and thanks for the USO support as well uh, out at the base. We thank you very much for that. Arlene, the song you sang today, it brings a tear to my eyes. one of my favorites. I love that song. I really do, and you killed it, so thank you very much uh, for that as well. And President Jim for having me here today, as well as Steve and Captain Ahab, who uh, sat and <laughs> had lunch with me today and gave me some time. That was awesome. So I did just want to talk to you real quick. Uh, I was told that I, you know, have a few minutes to talk, and I'll tell you, I could go all day. I love my airmen so much, I could stand up here and talk for hours uh, if y'all let me, but I'm not going to bore y'all with all that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about my wing, uh, and then kind of get into kind of some of the stuff that we do. So I'm the 99th Air Base Wing Commander, which means I have installation command authority for Nellis Air Force Base, for Creech Air Force Base, and the Nevada Test and Training Range up north here where we go fly. Uh, I've got about 5,000 people that work for me, and those are folks that wear uniform, I have civilians who are government civilians that work for me, and I have contractors that work for me uh, as well to make up the total team. Out of Nellis, we have about 11,000 uh, uniformed service members who work out there, and we have about 300,000 dependents that I get the, uh, the express privilege of taking care of here in the Valley. So it's, an, it's a simply uh, fantastic job. I've got three groups. I have an air base group whose primary responsibility uh, is up at Creech Air Force Base. They uh, maintain the base and run the base up there. I have a mission support group who works for me at Nellis, and they're the ones that take care of Nellis as well as support Creech to some extent uh, and also take care of the Nevada Test and Training Range and keep that thing open and running. And then I've got a medical group. Uh, so I've got a hospital out on base. If you haven't had a chance to go out there and see an amazing facility that we're currently upgrading to a level three trauma center to be able to help out the valley as well and not just the folks in uniform. Uh, and I've got over 2,000 uh, combat medics that work for me out in my medical group, uh, and it's just awesome. And then I've got a wing staff agency that helps keep the base running my staff together, and oh, by the way, keeps me on time to meetings, uh, which is a very difficult job to do. So it's an awesome base, or it's an awesome, an awesome wing. And what we're responsible for, we're responsible for communications, we're responsible for my defenders right at the gate, I've got contracting and comptroller folks who keep the money flowing, which is very important. I've got a civil engineer squadron, I've got a uh, logistics readiness support squadron, I've got a family support squadron. So a lot of folks out there who are, uh, who are getting the mission done uh, each and every day to keep that base running. But the reason why we're there, the reason why we're there is to support the mission. For your United States Air Force to be able to go fly, fight, and win in airspace and cyberspace. And we're out there training each and every day, getting ready for that mission. Uh, and so we support what's going on at Nellis. We support what's going on at Creech. At Creech, we have the 432nd Wing. 432nd Wing is a remotely piloted aircraft wing whose responsibility it is, is to fly our remotely piloted aircraft all around the world. So I have a training mission of training what's going on up at Creech each and every day. What we also have is a 365-day-a-year, 24-7 responsibility where they are up there flying from Creech Air Force Base, flying remotely piloted aircraft all around the world. And they have been flying. They have been, had, a, had a pilot and a sensor operator sitting at a console flying an airplane every single minute for over 10 years, the past 10 years. They haven't stopped. They always have something in the air that they're flying. And what they do, they bring to the joint fight an incredible capability that we did not used to have. So it's not just an Air Force mission. It's not just a joint mission. It's a coalition, international ally mission that we provide armed overwatch for any of our troops that we send into harm's way. So we have folks going into harm's way in Afghanistan or Iraq or Syria today. There is some form of armed overwatch over the top of them via remotely piloted aircraft 
who was sitting there watching with a host of sweets and weapons if required to be able to take care of our sons and daughters who are down there on the battlefield doing the job. And they're providing real-time feedback back to the combatant commanders who can then make decisions based on what's going on forward in the field to be able for us to go out and find bad guys and take care of them. Uh, and again, just to support our troops out there. So that mission never stops. That mission never stops. And it's a fascinating mission when you think about it, and from not necessarily a good perspective, when you think about folks like me when we go into combat, I'm going to go with my entire squadron. I'm going to pick up. I'm going to do some pre-deployment stuff and get ready to go, and then I'm going to go downrange to go accomplish the mission. I'm going with my entire squadron. And we're going to go through combat operations together, and when we're done, we're going to pick back up. We're going to come back home, redeploy together, and we're going to integrate back into the community at that point in time. What my folks do up at Creech is completely different. They wake up in the morning. They have breakfast with their children, their family. Hopefully they don't break their son's arm. Then they drive to work, and they go climb into a console, and they sit there and fly combat for 8, 10, 12 hours that day. And then when they're done, they go back home. They go to the kids' soccer game. They go have dinner with their families. And they have to reintegrate that way and then get up the next morning and do it all over again, day after day after day after day after day. So it's an incredibly important mission. It's a very difficult mission. Uh, and it's, we're, we're learning new things about it and how to take care of it and support that. So I've got a, a, a dedicated medical team. I've got a dedicated chaplain. I've got a psychologist. I've got folks that I send with them every mission. They sit there and brief with them. They execute with them. They debrief with them to make sure that they're getting taken care of as best we can, again, to, uh, to make sure that we're taking care of our most precious asset, our airmen. Uh, so that's what's going on up at Creech. Now, hopefully most of you, I would like it if most of you in the room didn't actually know we had Creech up there. Because it is crazy important, uh, and I, don't, I, would, I would prefer if nobody in the world knew that they were up there uh, and left them alone doing their mission. But the support that you all provide for them uh, is, is great, and so I thank you for that. At Nellis, most people know that we have Nellis Air Force Base here. Uh, at Nellis, we've got a lot more going on. So much bigger base. I have six wings and 52 tenant units who live on that base that I'm responsible for taking care of. Those six wings are listed in the brochure. You can read them. The 52 tenant units, I can't even tell you some of their names because they're so classified. Uh, and we got some amazing stuff going on at Nellis every, each and every day. Some of the big stuff that you're probably aware of that you've seen uh, mostly resides in the 57th wing. So that's the flying operation on Nellis. And they do red flag, they do green flag, they have the aggressors, they have the Thunderbirds. Uh, and that wing's very important. So red flag um, is built around the fact that we have the Nevada Test and Training Range up north of us. So like I talked to, about in the primary responsible for the Nevada Test and Training Range. That range uh, is about 100 miles north to south, 150 miles east to west uh, of, of airspace over the top of land that we go up and train to. And what ended up happening was uh, during the Korean War, uh, your U.S. coalition forces would, when we were in uh, aerial combat, we had about a 15 to 1 kill, kill ratio. So we take out about 15 bad guys for every one of us that we lost. As we moved to Vietnam, the joint numbers came down, went down about 2 to 1. Uh, and so those are entirely unacceptable answer, or an, uh, un unacceptable numbers for the United States. And as we started looking at it, trying to figure out exactly what happened between the Korean War to the Vietnam War, uh, we figured out that it was a training issue. We needed to get after training better. So many of you combat veterans, thank you for your service, uh, went over to Vietnam and had to go over and fly 100 missions. And we found out as we were losing, 90% of the folks that we were losing we were losing in those first 10 sorties. If you could make it through the first 10, the last 90 were infinitely easier. So we tried to figure out how are we going to get to a training scenario where I can simulate combat and training in peacetime and get those first 10 sorties under somebody's belt so that they would then have the seasoning to go into combat and we could, we could change those numbers around. So we sent a major here, a guy named Moody Suter, come to Nellis 
and now figure out a way to develop a training program that would allow us to get that experience in peacetime. And so we set up an operation called Red Flag, and we set up an operation called the United States Air Force Weapons School. At the time, it was called the Fighter Weapons School. And so we secured that piece of airspace. And if you were to take a look at the map today, if you were to look at the continental United States and watch all the FAA traffic that's flying all around the globe or across the United States, what you would see is there is one pristine chunk of airspace sitting just north of where we are right now called the Nevada Test and Training Range, and not one FAA traffic, not one airliner ever goes across that airspace. It is the most pristine chunk of airspace in the entire CONUS and arguably in the world, and that's where we go train and fight. And that's where we were able to because on the southwest half of that airspace, we own the ground. So the Department of Defense, Department of Energy, Department of Interior, United States government owns the ground, which allows us to put a simulated integrated air defense system up there or threats on the ground that are trying to shoot at us to give us training against that. There's also targets out there that we're able to go and drop live ordnance on so we can train that way. And then on the east side, the northeast side, we don't own the ground, but we own the airspace above it. Uh, and so this gives us the opportunity to go up there. We'll send up an, a whole crew of forces up on the west side. They're the bad guys. We'll send our entire force up on the east side, and we'll package our fighters, our bombers, our intelligence surveillance reconnaissance aircraft. We'll take tankers up there. We'll take strategic and tactical airlift aircraft up there. We'll have controllers up there. We'll have joint uh, terminal air controllers on the ground. We package the biggest war that you can possibly put over the top of the United States and go train and fight every day. That's red flag. That's what red flag is doing up there, and it's giving our combat aviators and our combat airmen the ability to experience themselves in a realistic wartime environment in peace. So that's what red flag does. We also do green flag out at Nellis, and green flag is the opportunity for our folks to go train with the Army and kind of fight like we are today in Afghanistan and Syria and Iraq to talk to folks who are on the ground that need support from above and need close air support. So we'll go down to Fort Irwin, and we'll take an Army unit that is about to deploy downrange with an Air Force unit that's going to go downrange and support them. We'll package them together in a green flag, and those airplanes will fly out at Nellis. When I have a full-blown red flag, full-blown green flag going on, up at Nellis Air Force Base, I have about the fifth or sixth largest air force in the world sitting on the ramp at Nellis. It is an impressive thing to see, uh, and that's what the 99th Air Base Wing does is support that fight. We also have the weapons school. So weapons school, um, as Ted mentioned earlier, uh, is a, the premier tactical warfighter school that the United States Air Force has. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with Top Gun, seen the movie, really cool. Navy. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Steve. So what the Navy does, they take, their, they take their aviators. They take experienced aviators, some of their best aviators who are relatively young, and they send them up to Fallon uh, uh, just outside of Reno. And they go up there to, to go through Top Gun. Top Gun is about a five, six-week-long program. Uh, and our academic vernacular is kind of like a master's-level program. And when they come out, then they'll season them for about three years. Then they put them into the role of being the top tactical expert in their organization and their squadrons. And the Air Force, we take it a step farther. So what we do is we take our experienced instructors and we send them to Nellis. And instead of a five to six week program, we put them through a five to six month long program called Weapons School. It's a PhD level program. And the kids that come out through the other side of that are by far the most tactically, uh, uh, the tactical experts, tactically experienced warriors in our United States Air Force. And we don't just do it with our pilots. We do it with our fighter pilots. We do it with our tanker pilots. We do it with our bomber pilots. We do it with our intel uh, officers. We do it with our uh, JTAC uh, airmen on the ground. Um, and so 
almost every combat aviation specialty that we have, our space guys, our cyber guys, all go through weapons school. Our best of the best go through weapons school. And so we get to support that mission uh, out there as well, which, again, is a fascinating mission when you're bringing out these uh, highly motivated, highly trained officers and enlisted folks in your United States Air Force and bring them out there, and we put them through a grind for six months where they don't eat, they don't sleep, they just sit at work and grind and grind and grind. I get, the, again, the pleasure of taking care of that and supporting them. We also have the aggressors. So we have... We're the only Air Force in the entire world that has a dedicated organization whose job it is is to pretend they're the bad guys. So they fly airplanes. They're U.S. airplanes for the most part that are painted with blue and brown camouflage colors, not like the gray that we put on all of our airplanes. They act, talk, look like aggressors, not American people. They don't go after a specific country. We're not going to get classified into who exactly I want them to pretend who they are. Uh, but that is their job. We have folks on the ground that are doing the same thing out on the range trying to catch people. We have space aggressors. We have information aggressors. We have cyber aggressors, an entire organization who, when we put our, when we put our varsity team on the field during a red flag to go up there and train, I have an entire force whose job it is is to break them. Um, and it's awesome, and they're very, very good at their job, sometimes too good at their job. In fact, I would argue they're a lot better than the people they're trying to pretend they are uh, at their job. So I get to host those guys, uh, which is awesome as well. Then we have the only United States Air Force aerial demonstration team. Red, white, and blue airplanes, they do loops of music. Thunderbirds, uh, they're up there. Uh, so also a very interesting dynamic to get to host them uh, at our base. Uh, but we have, we have them up there. So they're on the road about 210, 240 days a year uh, out doing demonstrations all over the world. Uh, and so simply fantastic to have them uh, up there on base uh, as well. And we have the uh, operational test folks. So all of our aircraft, all of our systems that we develop and we bring online are going to go through developmental tests first. Most of that happens out at Edwards Air Force Base in California. That's can it fly from point A to point B. Is the airspeed correct? Is the altitude correct? Those type things. Once they get that all worked out, then they send them to us at Nellis, and we send them through operational test. Uh, An operational test through the 53rd Wing resides at Nellis Air Force Base. This is the, we're going to ring it out and make sure all the sensors work, all the weapons work, and we figure out how to employ this airplane or this airframe to its full extent. Um, so all of that uh, is going on uh, at Nellis as well. So we get to support all of that, which is simply fantastic. And again, I get to do it with some of the most amazing airmen, America's sons and daughters, uh, that you would ever meet. And so, like I said, a uh, lot going on out there. Happy to be a part of it. Uh, but I'm truly honored for you guys to, uh, to have me here today. So 100th anniversary, like we talked about, uh, for Veterans Day, you know, an opportunity to go pat folks on the back and say thank you very much for your service. To all the veterans in here, thank you for your service. I do truly mean that. Uh, but the 150,000 veterans that live in the Valley, if you have an opportunity, please go pat them on the back and say thank you. But thank you for your time today. Maybe two or three minutes for questions. Yes, sir. Do you do any research and development or testing uh, of products at Nellis? So we do. Um, and so we do in various phases. We have, uh, um, again, like I talked about, my, my, op, my uh, operational test folks will do some of that. And so they get into not only just testing what they have, but some operational development uh, and research type stuff. Uh, but right now, the Air Force is uh, really big on innovation. So one of our, our current pushes is innovation. And so we have an event, or we have a uh, push right now uh, that we're calling AFWorks. Have you guys heard of AFWorks? 
just like right here. It's, we're, a couple, we're like a block away from it uh, right now. Uh, so what the Air Force is doing is we're trying to find ways to get our, our innovative creators, our, our, uh, uh, our entrepreneurs, our smart people in the world uh, that want to help us out and bring them in with their ideas, and then us pitch problems at them. So at AFWorks, what we do, it's a civilian-run organization that the Air Force is paying for, but it is not folks like me that are in there working. We have civilians in there. We come to them with problems. And I have a tactical problem. One of the tactical problems I have is uh, UAVs, so these little small drones that kids like to fly. I don't want them on my base. I don't want them flying over my base. I don't want them anywhere near my base. But they're a little bit difficult to defend against. And how do you do it? There's some legality problems with how exactly you're going to defend against that. So one of those problems, we pitched to AFWorks. We said, AFWorks, go figure this out. And they brought in industry leaders from all over the United States to come in and talk about this problem and try to figure out how we can get after it. We also have a subset of that called SPARK, and SPARK stays on base. SPARK is an uh, Air Force-led organization, and that's where I go find my airmen who work for me and go, you got a great idea, you got a great idea, come talk to us about it, and I can find ways to get you money to help develop, in, in, uh, inculcate that and, and get after solving it. So some of the things we're working on now, so we do some of that. Does that answer your question? Awesome. Yes, sir. Um, you know, I was on the NEL support team for 15 years, and I got to hang out with the 422nd tests which is the shit-hot squadron of the Air Force, and you can, you can find me for that, Mr. President. Um, but uh, So I sort of lived through the cycle of the F-22, and so you know we lost a handful in Florida with the hurricane, which means not only did, could they not fly, but we couldn't make them fly within a week or so. I, underst I'm not, I understand we've had steadily declining defense budgets for eight to nine years, but um, my question really is, I'm not asking you a political question or to make a determination, but do you see some light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully, that we can not have our, you know, very expensive stealth fighters that can't fly? Absolutely. Great question. By the way, I'd vote for you for president, just for the record. So Thank you very much. My, vo my vote's been cast. Um, no, great question. So a couple of parts to that. Um, the first, so first part, we'll talk about tender real quick. So... Uh, uh, I've spent over 20 years flying fighters uh, in the Air Force and been stationed overseas, been stationed in Florida, been stationed in Virginia, all places where big storms can come through and cause massive problems. Uh, at an unclassified level, what I'll tell you is we never have all of our airplanes ready to fly. Never. They are constantly going through a series of, of, of uh, preventative maintenance things that we do to them that we purposefully bring them down from a flying status to a non-flying status so that we can work on them, make sure they're good to go, and put them back up in the air. So at any given time, you're never going to have all your airplanes ready to fly. It doesn't mean we can't. It means we don't. Um, so at, at Tyndall, there were several airplanes that were down for maintenance reasons uh, that should we have, if we had known the storm of all storms was coming and was going to hit Panama City directly, we could have flown out. Uh, but in my time in the Air Force, every time one of these storms comes up, you go, eh, do I really want to take the time and effort to get this airplane ready to fly? Or we can put it in the hangar and it's probably going to be just fine. So we always leave some behind. We never take all of our airplanes with. And, and when I lived in Okinawa, we would have Cat 5 typhoons come through several times a year. And we would get crushed over and over. We'd still leave planes there. Uh, and I've never seen anything like what happened at Tyndall. Um, I will say, there are some early reports out that we had some jets that were not going to ever fly again. Not true. Not true. Every one of those airplanes is flyable. Uh, and in fact, we've now got them out of the hangars, we've got them cleaned up, and we've flown them off uh, somewhere else to go, to go continue doing business. But the true question uh, kind of gets back to sequestration, if you will. Um, so the entire Department of Defense was hit very, very hard 
uh, due to sequestration. We had to make some tough choices. And some of that became readiness issues because the, very, the easiest bill for us to pay or the easiest money we can take from is a readiness account, uh, be it gas to fly airplanes or supplies, uh, those type things. So we got into a, we got into a valley of readiness uh, that currently the secretary and the chief of staff are focused on uh, getting after. Uh, and for the past several years, the budget's been significantly better, which has allowed us to uh, get back up out of that bathtub. And now we're focused very solely, or primarily, I should say, on readiness. Um, and so the numbers are going to get better. And in fact, the secretary has declared that she wants 80% uh, readiness across the fleet, which is somewhat unheard of. Uh, and she wants our, our operators and our weapon systems to that level. And so we're focusing on it right now. So we are doing better, getting better. Uh, and yes, Raptors are, uh, are the gym. Uh, of the Air Force, and we will make sure that we, we get those things up, up to speed. Answer your question? Awesome. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for your service. Thank you for being here. Yes, ma'am. As I was um, singing the national anthem and facing the flag, something caught my eye on the screen um, that 22 veterans commit suicide every day. Do you have an ongoing program that addresses that and, and ultimately prevents that? So, there's there's two parts to your there's two two parts to that answer. Uh, me in particular, no, I don't. Uh, I don't work with veterans uh, specifically, so I take care of active duty folks and their dependents. Um, all of and some retirees as well uh, will come onto my base and we and we provide services for them. The Veterans Administration takes care of the veterans. Um, Oh, yes, ma'am, absolutely, we do. So uh, we, have, we have recognized that we have some very real problems. And, you know, and, and, it, and the Department of Defense or the military in general um, is obviously a microcosm of the rest of, of uh, society. Uh, so we certainly do have some problems. I will tell you uh, that we focus very strongly on sexual assault and prevention, uh, on suicide awareness, um, and then on just mental health and, st and, and stability. Uh, and so what we have figured out, number one, uh, you know, one suicide is too many. That, are, you, are we ever going to get to zero? No, we're, we're not. Uh, but one suicide is too many. Um, and so we are constantly focused on suicide and suicide prevention. Uh, we have mandatory training that we all have to go through every year. Uh, we have classes we have to go through, and we have highlight points throughout the year that we'll continually come back and focus on that and talk to it. Talk about airman resiliency uh, is how we, how we focus uh, on it to get after number one, uh, suicide, but again, sexual assault, and then just assault in general, so, so uh, uh, violence. Um, so we continue to work on those problems, uh, as well as helping our people who have gone through that uh, and, and try to help those out. Yes, ma'am. I think I'm getting the hook. All right. President Jim's kicking me off stage. Thank you all very much. Thank you so very much for coming. Um, as, as we do our club tradition, uh, we present to you the Share What You Can Award, and it, uh, we will feed a, uh, a homeless, needy veteran with a hot meal in your name. So thank you for coming. At this time, I'll turn it back over to Ted McAdam, uh, or Colonel Ahab, I think is the proper title. Thank you very much. Thanks, Randy. I tell you what. Folks, we're in for a very special treat. This is kind of how it's going to go down. The Honor Guard is going to enter here in about 20 seconds. They're going to do a flag-folding ceremony. You can remain seating, but get scooted around so you can watch what happens. It is a narrated event, and then I'm going to call for the retirement of the colors, at which time we will all stand up, and as the flag is retrieved from the stands, we will place our hands over our heart. Please perform the flag-folding ceremony.
Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, members of the Rotary of Las Vegas. Welcome to the Palo Verde Air Force Junior ROTC flag folding ceremony. The flag folding ceremony honors our flag and represents the same religious principles on which our country was founded. Just as our country received birthrights from many people of many lands, so did the stars and stripes arise from several origins. The stripes are symbolic of the rays of light emanating from the sun, and the portion of the flag denoting honor is a Canton field of blue. It contains the stars that represent the states our veterans are from, and when draped as a pall on the casket of a veteran, the Canton field of blue dresses from left to right and is inverted. The flag being folded by our team was flown over the skies of Kuwait and Iraq on a combat mission in a U.S. Air Force F-16 Fighting Falcon during Operation Southern Watch and Enduring Freedom. In the armed forces of the United States, at the ceremony of retreat, the flag is lowered, folded in a triangle fold, and kept under watch throughout the night as a tribute to our nation's honored dead. The position of the blue field on the casket of a veteran is reversed to indicate mourning. With the blue field on the right as the flag faces the coffin, it is said that the flag is embracing the veteran who in life served the flag. The red and white stripes interchanging throughout our flag, with the red reminding us of the hardships of life and the white of the purity and goodness of life. And once red and white is folded, only the blue stars are seen, reminding us of heaven. And where our life of red and white is over, may only heaven remain. The first fold of our flag is a symbol of life. The second fold is a symbol of our belief in the eternal life. The third fold is made in honor and remembrance of a veteran departing our ranks for who in life gave their defense for our country to attain peace throughout the world. The fourth fold represents our weaker nature for as American citizens trusting in God, it is to him that we turn in times of peace as well as in times of war for his divine guidance. The fifth fold is a tribute to our country for in the words of Stephen Decatur, our country in dealing with other countries, may she always be right, but it is still our country, right or wrong. The sixth fold is for where our hearts lie, for it is in our hearts that we pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The seventh fold is a tribute to our armed forces, for it is through the armed forces that we protect our country and our flag against all of her enemies, whether they be found within or without the boundaries of our republic. The eighth fold is a tribute to the one who entered into the valley of the shadow of death, that we might see the light of day, and to honor mother, for whom it flies on Mother's Day. The ninth fold is a tribute to womanhood, for it has been through their faith, love, loyalty, and devotion that the character of men and women who have made this country great has been molded. The tenth fold is a tribute to Father, for he too has given us his sons and daughters for the defense of our country since they were first born. The eleventh fold represents the God-fearing foundation that gives us strength to persevere over our enemies and compassion for those who we have vanquished. The twelfth fold is a tribute to our nation's youth, for they are our future generations who will carry our flag aloft with courage, strength, and pride.
after the flag is completely folded and tucked in, it tucks down the appearance of a cocked hat, ever reminding us of the soldiers who served under General George Washington and the sailors and marines who served under Captain John Paul Jones, and the soldiers, sailors, and airmen who followed in the armed forces of the United States, preserving for us the rights, privileges, and freedoms that we all enjoy today. In the morning, the flag is brought out and at the ceremony of Reveille, run aloft as a symbol is our belief in the eternal life. Thank you. This concludes our ceremony. Please rise. Retire the colors. A round of applause for the Palaverry High School Honor Guard. God bless our veterans. Those who have served, are serving, and will serve. Meeting adjourned. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of our latest meeting. If you'd like to know more about our projects or are interested in membership in the club, please visit us at lasvegasrotary.com. Now go forth and be the inspiration.